0: I'm um, excited, always excited, but really excited this time of year to be with you. And this, this series has been fun because as you'll see today, uh, several of you that sent in these words uh, shared some information, some things, some thoughts um, with us. And so today especially, I'm going to be reading a lot of those uh, that people sent in to make it even more personal. So hopefully, if you're one of the people that sent in some of these words, you'll recognize uh, the words you sent in, um, and especially the, the little stories and little snippets that you guys shared with us. Uh, the, the words of Christmas tree. Are wonderful. We just sang one. Uh, it's just so much fun to do that, and we don't use these words all the year round, and so that makes them even more special as we just say them and sing them and think about them and what they mean uh, during this kind of season. Uh, they are wonderful words, not always associated with wonderful weather, though. The wonderful weather of Christmas is not something you'll use in this area because, you know, here th- this year we, we've had really odd. Warm weather. I mean, this week, I think it's supposed to be very odd and warm as well again, but, you know, I've always thought about this, and in in, in talking with someone here at church today, it made me think of it even more. Some people have said that it's just not the same, just not the same, but I think I could really probably celebrate Christmas in somewhere like Hawaii, Um. The temperature is only around 81 this time of year, you know, so it's not oppressively hot or anything like that. I think I could, I could open presents uh, on the beach uh, or down at the pool. I, I do not think I would have a t- hard time doing that. I would have to give up the potential, and it's always just the potential here, uh, for snow, you know, on Christmas. I would have to give up the wind, the ice, and the worst of all, the, the cold rain, Like, that's the worst weather in the entire world is cold rain. And so I would have to give up all of that, but that's a sacrifice I'm willing to make um, for my family. So here's the thing. If any of you are looking for a gift for your pastor or the staff, just a suggestion. I'm just throwing it out there. You know, hey, whatever. Last week, we we talked about five words uh, that you guys have sent in, five words that we began looking at how these words relate to the birth of Jesus and then how we can use these common words throughout this season To then interact with other people every day and maybe help relate the true meaning of the season with them. The first word we talked about was one that you don't often think about when you think about Christmas, but that's the word pain. We're in a season right now where there's a lot of people dealing with pain right now. Some good friends of ours lost their father this last week to COVID. Um, They're going to be obviously struggling and dealing with pain throughout the season like they've never experienced before. Maybe you've experienced loss or separation or, or some other painful memory. And this time of year, some of those things have a tendency to, to revisit us. Our challenge, if we're a follower of Jesus, is, is to bring that pain into a place like this. Bring that pain into our relationship with Christ and try as hard as we can to give it over to Him. And let Him deal with it. Let Him help us, guide us through those times. If we're out there listening to other people and listening to their stories and just sharing conversations, and and what you've got to understand is during this season especially, even something as simple as going to dinner, sharing a conversation with the person that's your waiter or your waitress, sharing a conversation with with the cashier here or a a stock worker somewhere in a store that's just stocking shelves, talk to them. Find out. Hey, how you doing? It's Merry Christmas. How's the season for Just ask. Because you're probably, if you ask, going to get a story and you don't know what kind of opportunities that might lead you to, with the purpose being to lead those people that are in pain to Jesus, just like we talked about a few weeks ago with that paralytic who only was healed because his friends saw his pain and took him with their faith to Jesus to be healed. The second word from last week is a common one that we all deal with, exhaustion. Exhaustion this time of year, absolutely it can happen. We ask the question, why? Why are we exhausted? Is it the hustle? Is it the the travel? Is it the cooking, the shopping, the prep work? All of those things that go into hosting. And when we listen to that list, do any of them at all have to do with the worship of our Savior? Because if they don't, if they don't, then maybe, just maybe, they're man-made distractions. And they're what's causing us to be tired and to be exhausted throughout the season. And some of us even don't like this season because of the feelings that we get. And so the question for us is, do we need to redefine what Christmas means to our family? And emphasize those important things, reemphasize the only things truly that, that matter this time of year, starting with number one, the miraculous birth of our Savior. The final three words from last week were all all just motivation for us to get excited about the season. A few of the words that kind of usher in the Holy Spirit, the holiday Spirit, really is what the holiday Spirit is, the Holy Spirit, if you didn't know that, that. That truly are one and the same. It's that same emotion that He brings to each of us. The first word was the word expectation. The word expectation. Do you remember as a child that expectation you had As a Christmas morning, even some of you that are a little more advanced in the age department, do you remember that expectation of Christmas? Even if I've, I've heard stories, even if every Christmas you got the exact same gifts and you knew what to expect, did you still long for that time together? Were you excited to see what was in the box or what was beneath the paper? Was it what you had hoped and dreamed of when you opened it? And then think about those expectations of Mary and Joseph as that child was born and they held him and they just pondered, they just wondered and considered everything the angel had told them. And as they were doing that out of nowhere, these random shepherds show up to praise and worship this baby out of absolutely nowhere, this miracle child with the question to us then being, what expectations do we have of Jesus? He's not above our expectations, if you didn't know that. As a matter of fact, He fully embraces and accepts our expectations. I mentioned this last week, and I mentioned it at the beginning. We've got this little short devotion book. If you didn't get one, please do. Uh, Please get one on your way out. These short little devotions, some promises of God. We can expect every single one of them to come true. Every single one that will be met and more. He will never fail us. And the final word from, from last week, the hope, the hope that Christmas brings. As Jesus arrived, first it was hope for the Jews, yes, it was. But it was revealed that this hope wasn't just for the Jews. No, 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 it was hope for us as well, everyone outside of the Jewish faith, everyone everywhere. This same hope exists for all who are willing to seek him, he alone has come to save us, to restore us into a right relationship with God, to forgive us. And in Christ alone, we have both this hope in this world and a hope beyond this world. And I misspoke. There was one more. Rejoice was the last one. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. A word that we just don't use. I dare you to think about the last time you used the word rejoice in everyday conversation. Okay? We don't. It's a, it's a word that this world just doesn't use anymore. And from a worldly perspective, it's understandable. There's really nothing to rejoice about. But we looked at the words of Paul where he reminds us to rejoice always. And again, I say, rejoice. Is it easy? <laughs> no. No, not at all. But we must remember that the Lord is near, and that's a reason to rejoice in itself. And not to be anxious about anything. And then Paul's prescription to pray, to pray, to pray. And when we're done praying, pray some more. Because when we do, then God's peace will protect us. It will guard our hearts. It will guard our minds. And that is the only way we can get through this world and this life that we are living. The wonderful words of Christmas. This week there's another five, but three of them are very closely related. So they'll all be kind of intertwined in the same part of the message with another one stuck in the middle. The first word that that I want to show you um, deals with some very specific comments that people sent in. The word is family, family. Someone wrote this, this is the absolute most important thing in my life short of Jesus Christ. I celebrate family all year long. I know that these bonds are things that will never be broken. The material gifts and other things will fade away, but the the moments and the memories will last forever forever. My family is important all year long, but it takes on a special meaning during this time of celebration, of of Thanksgiving and of Christmas. Someone else wrote in, more than the presents, I love to get together, fellowship, celebrate and eat with family. Another wrote in, the sense of togetherness, even with those extended family members that maybe you haven't seen in a year or longer at this point, depending on how last year went for you, a time to create family traditions like baking cookies, Christmas lights, and yes, they even threw in Christmas Eve service. I did not write that in. They put that there. Yes, what a great family tradition to have, what an opportunity to be together and celebrate. You see, God designed the family. It was his idea from the very beginning. In fact, God himself exists in perfect harmony in a perfect family as three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and the God the Holy Spirit as I said they they exist in perfect harmony which I know might be a stretch for some of our families I, I get that all right but he's given us an example and from the very beginning of mankind God created family it was not good for man to be alone so what did he do he created Eve and the first family was began now that first family had conflict you know that they did I guarantee that Adam and Eve had a few um discussions about that fruit incident throughout the 900 years that they lived. Think about that, right? You remember that? You, no, don't bring it up. You, know, this is not good. You, you can imagine that. But that was followed with what? The murder of one of their sons. By who? Another of their sons. Oh, my goodness. Tragedy struck their life. But through it all, life was challenging, but God was faithful to them. Fast forward all the way to Jesus' arrival, where we're talking about. Mary was encouraged by a family member named Elizabeth. It was an incredible, incredible encouragement found in Luke. Even Joseph. Joseph was led to hold the family together by an angel, even in spite of what all the people around them thought of Mary's pregnancy prior to their wedding. As some of you know, family can be one of the greatest parts of your life. As others of you know, family has led to many difficulties in your life. And it's no fault of your own, possibly. You might have been born into the situation, and it wasn't healthy. I'm going to be very, very honest, and being a youth pastor for all of these years, as a kid, I didn't really get it, but as a youth pastor, and even as a teacher, I really began to understand, I don't get it. How is this possible? Because God created us to love and to nurture and to protect those that are closest to us how do those other family situations exist I, I just i can't wrap my mind or my heart around it but you realize this that sin has entered the world and in our personal lives and in a family situation what sin leads to is selfishness and with selfishness with that me to me first me first attitude within a family that creates dysfunction it creates distrust, and ultimately, a lot of times, it creates a destruction for the family. Some of us have experienced that, haven't we? Some of us, to be really honest, have caused it. If you're listening today and there's something within you that brought you here, there's something that led you here, possibly to hear just this one little part. Maybe since that causation, you have encountered your risen Savior, Jesus Christ. And you've given your life to Him. And if that's the case, then you know what? It's time. It's time to go back into those situations and do whatever you can to make things right. If you were the cause of the brokenness and you've been restored by Jesus, it's time to bring Jesus into those areas of your life, whatever they are. Your actions, your love, they might not completely fix (laughs) that broken relationship, They might not completely restore that situation, but here's what it will do. It will absolutely bring Jesus into the situation, the only one who can heal or restore. And even if those things aren't completely fixed, there's a possibility that someone might be led closer to Jesus because you were willing to try. And in the end, that is the most important relationship, either to begin or to return to, if that's the case in your life. You see, Jesus Christ willingly forgives each and every one of us, which means we in turn must willingly forgive anyone else. Maybe we have to go, and we've got to ask for forgiveness. Maybe we have to go, and we have to offer forgiveness to someone who's hurt us. The wonderful words of Christmas. That word forgiveness was one that was sent in today and they said this jesus's forgiveness his completed work on the cross covers all sin from adam to the last person that draws breath at the end of the earth forgiveness is one of the most powerful forces have you ever thought about forgiveness as a force for good on this earth one of the most powerful forces on earth it brings health and healing and peace forgiveness brings life yes and it brings freedom There's tremendous freedom. The freedom found in forgiveness is incredible, whether you are the one being forgiven or the one doing the forgiving. And family and forgiveness, in order for family to truly exist, (laughs) they got to go hand in hand, don't they? We got to be that way as a family. Now, some of you have been blessed with a different family situation, right? Your family has remained united to this point in Christ, and I don't need to tell you what a blessing that is. But I do want to challenge you. What are you doing right now within your family today to ensure that that bond of Christ continues into the next generation? And the next generation. And the next generation. You see, we don't talk a lot about legacies here at church, but maybe we should spend a little more time on it. Parents, grandparents, yeah, kids. Kids. Whatever your age, listen very carefully. You see, the greatest legacy you could leave for your family is Jesus. (laughs) The love that you have for him. Your love for them and then your love for others. Your witness, your relationship with Jesus put on full display in every area of your life. It starts with your spouse and how you love him Or her. It starts with your children and your grandchildren and continues on to your church and your love for the body of Christ. This is essential that you're demonstrating and showing this. And then it continues out of that body of Christ, your love for the community that God has put you in. And then beyond that, into possibly missions all over the world that God might have placed at the center of your heart. All of those things with Jesus at the middle. middle. You see, this legacy is eternal. And we really should be praying about it. And we really should be working very diligently on it because it will not happen by accident. It will fall apart if we don't intentionally invest in it. What an opportunity you have to leave your mark, which is actually his mark. Not just on this world, but on all of eternity. It's an incredible thought if you haven't thought about it, parents and grandparents. The legacy of faith that you could potentially leave. As believers, you see, we were created for family, but we are also created for family outside of the biological unit. Now, oftentimes in the church, we we use the word community to describe this type of family. It's it's another word that someone sent in that's associated with Christmas. Think of it, community choirs, festivals, parades, and more are part of the Christmas season. But within the community of faith, it should be so much more than just those small gatherings. The book of Acts records the birth of the church, literally the very, very beginning. Some today, especially within the church, they, they like to romanticize, fantasize about that original church and how absolutely pure it was and how it was so uncorrupted by the world. And I, I really wish that was true, but they had a problem. The early church had a problem, and kind of funny, it's actually a problem that we share with the early church. It's the identical problem they had. Um, it's called, they're, well, they're called um, people, it's really the only problem in the church is, is the people. Um, you see, when the people gather, even for the right reasons, we have a way of bringing things into the situation and, and messing things up. And the early church was absolutely no different. Whether we point to Paul and his letters to all the different churches and the issues they were dealing with, or we look at the beginning of the book of Revelation where John reveals some pretty big problems with some of those original churches, we got to remember that those problems arose within 50 years of the church being born. Within 50 years of Jesus resurrecting from the dead and ascending into heaven, these problems were all over the church. They existed right away. Now, here's the problem. It doesn't take long for us humans to mess any good thing up. We're, we're quite good at it. And in the modern church, sometimes we use that as an excuse. You know what? The church has been a mess since the beginning, so yeah, we'll just deal with it. You know, I think that's lame. I think that's really, really lame and completely the wrong way to look at it. Yes, you know what? The church is imperfect. It is. It is because it's full of sinners, and I'm the biggest one in the room. That's the reality that we live in. But here's the beautiful part. You see, our God, our God is absolutely perfect. And what he desires in the community that he desires for us is perfect. His love for us is perfect perfect and so the more that we become like him guess what the more that we pursue him guess what then the community of his believers will become more like him and we will grow within his love now Luke that we're studying and we'll return to here in two weeks the author of Acts as well describes the early church in Acts two forty-two. it's a it's a very famous passage that we read a lot in the church because it's it's kind of our model if you will It says they, the church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayer. And everyone was filled with all the many signs and wonders performed by the apostles. And the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily. Those who were being saved. Now, what did they do very specifically? Well, first, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, which was the teachings of Jesus, the words of Jesus. They were devoting themselves to it. They weren't just listening and walking out the door. They were devoting, they were trying to figure out practical ways to to live these things out. They were doing it together. Yes, they hung out. They weren't living this faith alone, they weren't trying to figure this out alone. They were together. They helped one another. Now, I love that phrase they had everything in common, okay? Here's the thing. Did they have everything in common or is that some kind of literary device? Definitely a literary device. They did not all love the same sports team. Some of them would have been rooting for the Patriots last night. And that's okay. A few of you stayed up. Anyway, <coughs> it's true. They didn't all love the same type of food. You know what? They probably didn't even all agree on local politics. Just a thought. Here's what they did. They all placed Jesus Christ at the very front of their lives and they had the most important thing in common and every other thing was in a distant second place. When we think of the church today, is that how we think about it? As a family where we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that everybody that is gathered has the most important thing in common and his name is Jesus. Because here's the thing, when we welcome anyone into this family, that should be the first thing they notice about us, that we all have this one thing, this Jesus, absolutely in common. And his love for them should be the very first thing that they experience through each and every one of us. You see, that is community. When we have a need, we all rise up to help with that need. When one of us celebrates, we all join in the party. When one of us experiences a loss, we all grieve that loss and offer support encouragement. When volunteers are needed to serve, we share the love of Jesus with more and more people, the family, the community. What do we do? We step up, we jump in, and we help out no matter what it is, because this community rallies around a very simple idea. It's not about me. It's all about Jesus and what he has done for me, and how can we possibly reach out to those that he's calling us to reach out to, and then how can I, me, personally help? Do that. And that's who we're to be. This is the community that we are to have here at church, if you will. It's something so powerful that those around us will be drawn in to be experiencing this thing. And while they're drawn in, God will then begin to transform them so that they'll become a part and an active participant in this community. The person that wrote this in Sent this along with the word community, they said. The community, especially our church community. Life is tough. <laughs> yeah. And I choose to surround myself with people, with the same goals and desires that I have. My church family is an amazing part of my support system. When I'm feeling on a mountaintop, I want to be there to encourage others. When I'm feeling like I'm in the valley, I know that there will be there, those, there will be those there to encourage me. Yes. Yes, that is who we're to be, not just at Christmas, but every day we should experience this feeling of togetherness so that we long to be together. The feeling that you get when you gather with that family, that's how it should feel every time we gather for any reason as the body of Christ. We've been brought together by the creator of the universe to celebrate him and all that he has done in our lives. And now he wants us to share. He wants us to share our stories and reach out to those that are in this lost and hurting world, dying all around us, and bring them into a family. And folks, if you haven't realized this yet, more and more and more and more people around you have no family at all. This might be the only family, good family, true family, the only love that they truly experience on this earth. And this is the best way to experience that if their family has fallen apart. So, what arises out of this kind of community? Well, it's the last word for today. One of my favorite words of Christmas, the word joy. So simple, so short. What a beautiful word. Listen to some of the things that people shared about joy this time of year. Jesus brings so much joy always. I love the joy, the way the kids light up at Christmas time. Another wrote, the pure joy you see in the children's faces, the first snow, when they get out there and go sled, or they go to cut down the Christmas tree, or start getting out the direction the, dire- the decorations, and of course, the, the joy that exists on, on Christmas morning. Another wrote, the joy that babies bring. Now imagine the joy that, brought, that was brought by the birth of, of our Savior. Hmm. Joy in knowing that God loves us so much that he sent his only son to live among us, teach us, and die for us. I want to repeat that, but I want to change the wording ever so slightly. Joy in knowing that God loves me, and he sent his only son for me, so that he could live with me and teach me and die for me. Make it personal. Make it personal because it is. My joy and peace spill over into hope. For each day, loving and serving him while we live in this fallen world. The last one, this is a, a longer one. Listen to this little story. The joy of Christmas is Jesus. The very presence of peace and contentment. The joy of Jesus strengthened our family through a jobless 2013 Thanksgiving into Christmas. At this point, I had no desire to put up a tree or any other decorations. However, I was overruled. My focus was on no job instead of Christmas. Little did I know how quickly that was about to change. The only gifting that year was from Jesus, and his gift was priceless. Together, my husband and I learned that true Christmas joy comes from focusing on the birth of Christ. He was the ultimate sacrifice, that joy comes from a grateful heart, no matter what is or isn't under the tree. It's the gifting of the fruit of the Spirit inside of our bodies that we share and give to others all year long, that the giver of every good gift would provide for our needs in His time, that joy was not dependent on our situation, but rather to count it all joy and focus on what Christ was doing in us and through us. Even though there were no tangible gifts under the tree that year, we were blessed beyond measure to receive a deeper walk with Jesus and trust in His promises, truly priceless we choose joy and your presence is the fullness of joy psalm 16:11 we'll read that full verse a little later on god's timing always perfect 2 days before christmas 2013 he gave us another gift a job yeah yeah the famous message of the angel to the shepherds in luke 2:10 but the angels said to them don't be afraid i bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people great Joy, one of the most famous Christmas songs of all, joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her king and let every heart prepare him room and let heaven and nature sing. Is that our response to joy, to sing and to praise and to worship our king? Now, to some, we know that word joy, just like the word rejoice last week, it's been taken from this world. There's nothing to rejoice about, many would say in their life. Instead of joy, Satan will bring the following, fear, anxiety, depression, loneliness, and yes, pain. And you're right, Satan does all of those things, and he wants desperately to take your joy from you. He has a desire to do that, but you see, it's not that easy. As a matter of fact, I know this is hard to understand sometimes, but he can't do it. He actually can't take your joy. Satan cannot steal your joy. The only way that your joy can be gone is if you give it away, because you see, your joy does not come from the things of this world, or at least it shouldn't. Your joy is a gift, and it's a gift from God himself. The good news of Jesus' birth, his death, his resurrection, they fill you with joy because of the knowledge that he did it for you. Yeah, for you. And and when it comes. That is where our joy ultimately all comes from, from the forgiveness that he freely offers us, from the mercy and the grace that we receive from him. The world can't take those things from you. They're gifts from God alone. I didn't say the world wouldn't try. Oh, no. No, it will try time and time and time again to convince you, to persuade you, to trick you into being angry and giving your joy away. It would love that nothing more than just that. So what do we have to do? We have to hold really tightly onto our Heavenly Father. So not let that happen. we got to surround ourselves with the family of Christ to encourage us and to empower us and to help us through these difficult times in life. Paul wrote in chapter 15, verse 13 of the book of Romans to the, the church in Rome, May the God of hope fill you with joy, that's where it comes from, and peace, As you trust him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, if you give away your joy, guess what you lose? Hope. you got to hang tight. Psalm 1611, I told you I'd read the whole verse. You make known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. You see, this is what God is doing right now in your life. Did you know that? No, maybe not. Well, he's trying. That's what he daily wants to do is fill us with joy. So when you evaluate, when you look around, where does your joy come from? Are you allowing God to provide it or are you seeking it other sources? It's awesome to get joy from your children or from your family or from your job. or from. That's okay, but you must understand that that joy comes from Christ, not from your job, not from your kids, because all of those things things can happen in every one of those situations. And if that's your only source, we're in trouble. We've got to realize that those are gifts of God and that the joy that I de- derive from those things are from him and from him alone. Last week, Paul reminded the, the church in Philippi in chapter four, verse eight, to guard our hearts. How to do it. To rejoice always, pray continually, and then finally, to think about these things, whatever's true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, whatever's excellent or praiseworthy, to think and to dwell on those things. And when we follow that formula, that prescription from the great physician then Jesus then Jesus our joy in him will be secure it will be held tight within us God himself guards our hearts God himself guards our minds and keeps those thoughts from ever even entering if your joy seems to be misplaced great news there's a way to tap back into it to reaccess it the joy of the Lord hasn't left you it doesn't go away. The Spirit of God Himself brings it, and if you are with God, if you have given your life to Christ and He has firmly planted that within you, you just have to allow it to shine through. His joy will fill you, and when it does, your mood will change. Your attitude will be different. Your heart for others, even your view of this world will change. God just might begin even to use the most simple things that exist in this world, (laughs) things you never dreamed of, could bring you joy. If you're like me, God can use even parts of his creation to bring his joy. Yes, he can use his creation to bring his sons and his daughters joy. Absolutely. It could be the smallest thing that triggers that joy. Have any of you ever seen that sunrise or sunset? Have you? Have you ever seen maybe even a a beautiful piece of artwork or something like that, and it just sparks something within you, and you're just kind of full of that? Maybe it's the smile of a child, and maybe it's not even your own. (laughs) Maybe that's what brought the smile, (laughs) but whatever. (laughs) I know where some of y'all are at in life. I get it. I get it. Here's the thing. What does God want to use within you to draw that joy to the front of your mind and ultimately to the, the front of your face? I hate to tell you this, but joy should be expressed. It's not meant to dwell inside. As a matter of fact, the joy of the Lord can't be contained. You can't hold it in. Another wonderful, wonderful word of Christmas that should help define who we are as believers each and every day. These are amazing words, family, forgiveness, community, togetherness, and finally, joy. So do you have the joy of Jesus? this Christmas? Do you truly have that within you, or is it lacking? Do you need some help tapping back into that? The Spirit has not left you. He has not abandoned you, but something is preventing that joy from getting out of your body and into this world and onto your face. Do you need a little help finding that? What about your family? Maybe, as I mentioned earlier, there's some dysfunction. There's been some problems in the past or even in this moment. Maybe there's a relationship that needs restored. There's forgiveness that needs to be asked for. There's forgiveness that needs to be offered. How are you investing in your family right now? Have you thought about being committed to that legacy of faith? Or are you just hoping maybe it happens by accident? Because it won't. It won't. Maybe your family needs prayer. Maybe there's issues outside of your immediate family and they need prayer this morning. Bring it to the Lord. Let's pray over you and your family this holiday season. Maybe you've got family members that have gone astray and you know that and you want nothing more than to bring them back. But every conversation, every time you approach it, it ends up a fight or an argument. You need the Lord to help you back into this. What about a community of faith? Do you have one? Do you have one that you belong to and are part of? Or are you here and you're devoted to the word and the teaching of the word and to serving each other? Are we devoted to one another like that here? Or are we just here? Just sitting on the sidelines, watching the game. Hey, good job. All right, we'll leave. We don't want to participate in this, man. We got to actively be loving and serving one another and reaching out into this community. And that's what will draw others to our Lord. It's a beautiful formula it's a beautiful beautiful process that god has given us and i love how he came and he demonstrated us he just didn't tell us do it this way he came and showed us how to do it what an opportunity this time of year thanksgiving and christmas are about so much more even than just the birth of a savior because the birth of a savior brought in so much more that we can then focus on during these holiday seasons i don't know the situation in your life i don't know the situation in your family I don't know the situation in your heart. I don't know the joy you do or do not have in this point, but I want to let you know that all of those things can be healed through the power of Jesus Christ and his spirit in your life. Father God, as we come before you in this time of prayer, as we lift up those in the room, those watching online, those that might watch this, who knows, years from now, you can use any method, any tool, any opportunity to seek and save the lost. Father, there are some great, great people in this room that have been a part of some things in their past that they're they're not so proud of. They've made some mistakes. People have been hurt. We know that that exists. And Father, we know you're the only one that can restore that as it should be. And and Father, if you've brought them to you, then I know for a fact that's part of your plan. Step one was, was them coming to faith, being saved, Father, being saved for all eternity, being forgiven of their sins, helping them understand how much they are loved by you. But somewhere along that growth in that relationship with you, your challenge to them will be to restore, to go back and forgive, to go back and ask for forgiveness in whatever comes from their past. Father, it's one of the best ways to lead those that we've hurt toward Christ closer to Jesus is to help them see the change in us. And while those relationships may never be perfect, Father, that person will get a glimpse of you that they've never seen before. And that could change their eternity forever. Father, if the joy has been taken from us for whatever reason, we've given it away because of the circumstances of life. Father, maybe we've questioned you, we've doubted you, we've been angry with you because of the things that have happened in our lives. I pray that today they, they come to peace with you and that they realize that, that, that your plan is not for this type of relationship, but Father, for you to provide them with the peace and the joy and the love in their hearts. Father, that we sang about As a child, it is deep, deep, deep down in our hearts. But Father, it needs to come out and be on our face and be expressed in every aspect of our life. Father, we thank you for your presence here this morning, the opportunity to worship, and for the joy that you bring. In Jesus' name we pray.